With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, and welcome to this sunshiny, happy episode of the Black Tuesday Podcast. Your host, Terrence Biggs. It is Thursday, and you know what that means. She is the editor of Toasted Cheese, Florida State's favorite alumna, Stephanie Lentz. Good morning. How are you? I'm in a good, good mood. The sun is shining. It's not raining anymore. How are you? I am good in the world of find out. <laughs> we need to talk about Belarusian politics, which is strange. There's a guy named, I'm about to butcher this poor guy's name, Roman Protasevich. There you go. He's a journalist who was arrested uh, by Belarusian authorities after they grounded his flight to Lithuania. Why? Because he has been critiquing and criticizing the government, the Belarusian government, as being dictatorial. When you look at it from the outside, this was going to be what would happen in a second Trump administration. Mm-hmm. How, how close do you think America came to that? Oh, yeah, well, absolutely close. Um, I believe that the president of Belarus has kind of been taking his, maybe not marching orders, but using Putin as an example of how he wants things to be where he is. And I really think that that's what Trump was doing as well, is he was idolizing Putin and the way he does things. And um, I'm 100% sure that we weren't too far off, where, you know, anyone who protested or spoke out was, you know, targeted. And it's still kind of like that, but it would be a lot worse if Trump was still in control. Because I look at it from the outside back. That was, I mean, I could see this happening, like, day after the second inauguration of a Trump candidate, a Trump mm-hmm. victory, and literally there'd be no one to stop him. And I just, it shudders because that's how close America was, but yet you see people who still defend this. I still see Trump flags. You're in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Do you still run across that? 
we saw a Trump bumper stick on the back of a car yesterday after I picked my daughter up from school and she made a comment about it. Um, there's still Trump flags, yard signs, anti-Biden yard signs. Uh, the bumper stickers are still everywhere. Every now and then you'll see like some black pickup truck that is totally decked out with like a Trump flag on one side and like a, a United States or even a Confederate flag on the other side and a bunch of stickers in the back and stuff like that. But it's not as much as it was, and it is not as much as it was since the weather has become nice. Like people have been taking that, you know, like they're going out and cutting their grass and they're tired of moving the signs, they're just taking it down, I guess. But um, it's, it's still here, and there's still a lot of talk on social media that is Trumpy and MAGA-y. Um, I had to go on Facebook because I wanted to creep everybody's uh, pictures from the prom. And, um, you know, then their nonsense comes across, and it's like, well, I'll just pretend I didn't see that so that I can kind of, you know, make eye contact with this person the next time I see them. But um, it's there. It's just maybe gone back under the rock where it belongs. But um, I think everybody's a little bit more aware that this is kind of like this and just kind of wary about who you're talking to and how you're talking to them. Further in the story, Proto Savage and his girlfriend, a lady named Sophia Sapega, mm-hmm. they were bound from Athens, Lithuania, and apparently Belarusian President Alexander Lushenko gave an mm-hmm. unequivocal order to ground the jet, pas- the passenger jet. Yeah. Literally, if they didn't ground it, they probably would have shot it out of the sky. Yeah, I heard, um, or I heard a transcript or something of the instructions that were given to the pilot and they were telling him to land in Minsk and the pilot rightfully was like why and they just just land in Minsk who is this coming from just land in Minsk I can't just land in Minsk who is telling me to land in Minsk like they just wouldn't answer him so I don't know how they finally got him down or if he just decided look I better just do what's told but it, you know, the pilot was trying to do the right thing of you know I'm not just turning over my passengers because some rando says that I have to um, ground the plane somewhere. But they might have told them, you know, either you bring the plane in or we will bring the plane down. It wouldn't surprise me because of some of the other stuff that this guy has pulled. And you are, didn't, didn't Russia blow up a plane? They did. Yeah. If, well. if you are Protosevich and his girlfriend, mm-hmm. there's no way you can go back home. Like, it, if they're ever released, you got to leave. Got to leave, get far away because... Mm-hmm. Chances are the clock is ticking. Because I forgot that the uh, Belarusian government still has KGB agents. Mm-hmm. Chances are you might catch one of those accidental poisonings. Yeah. And, yeah, you need to get out because he's 26 now. 27 is not a guarantee for him. Like, yeah. he, he, his bucket list might become immediate. And it's not trying to be funny. It's It's a scary yeah. thought that governments in Belarus, Russia, they will off somebody if you piss them off. You just will not live the next day. Mm-hmm. It's amazing that he can even publish. I don't know if he publishes in his own country or if he's kind of a foreign correspondent, but um, he was protesting you know, 10 years ago, even as a 16-year-old kid, and, and put him on their radar. I don't know if they took him in or something. And then he wanted to become a journalist so he could expose this stuff. So I'm not sure where he's where he works from, but if he works for 
a Belarusian um, outlet, he might just say, you know what, I'll take my chances. I've my whole life is about making sure that people read this and know about it. But I'd be really surprised if they don't have state-sponsored or state-influenced media there. I don't know. They do. Yeah. And Lukashenko is kind of a dictator, and they've been trying mm -hmm. to, like, the people are not happy with him. When we come back from break, we need to talk about the tragedy in Washington and a tragic Washington figure. You're listening to the Black Tuesday podcast on the FBC radio network. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are back with the Black Today podcast. Terrence Big, Stephanie Lance. Stephanie, the family of fallen Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick met with a bunch of GOP politicians, they're trying to push them to push the politicians to signing off on the January 6th submission. They've requested this, I should say. And if you are a Republican senator, and how do you say no? You look at your bank account. <laughs> You know, she's not doing anything to keep these guys in office, and she's not to line their pockets, and that's who they care about and who they side with. I don't get why we can't have a commission to investigate this, and we had how many hearings on Benghazi? They mm -hmm. were fine with that, but we can't have one investigative committee about the January 6th attack. And these are people who were, you know, screaming and howling on that day about, you know, oh, protect us and barricade the doors and, you know, run out the back. And now we're just like, oh, no, it was just, it was just tourists dropping by. It's, you know, we all saw it with our own eyes. What, do they think that we just don't remember? But, you know, I, I don't know what else she has to do. I mean, maybe she could appeal to, I don't know, maybe, I don't know who she was appealing to exactly, but there's got to be a few Republicans on there that, would be at least willing to listen to her story. Um, but she said, 
putting politics aside, wouldn't they want to know the truth of what happened? If not, they don't deserve to have the jobs they were elected to do. And I think that's what it comes down to. That's it. If they're not willing to do the job, they should be fired. Exactly. And this is a party that preaches back to blue, the Mm -hmm. thin blue line, all this nonsense. But yet they would rather pick an officer who actually defended them who was mm-hmm. murdered in the line of duty over the throngs of toothless douchebags who invaded the U.S. Capitol. That is wild to me, and yet there's no bottom to, to the GOP. They will be an endless pit of assholery that will outlive probably the both of us. It yeah. sucks, but there's no – that's why when somebody says, oh, we should Reach across the aisle. Reach across the aisle to smack somebody. No, we're not. Re- no, not reach across shit. They, they have shown who they are. How many times? Stop letting them show you. Mm-hmm. Now, if we switch. Let's discuss Ted Cruz. Let's. Normally, the term Ted Cruz and his fly would bring disappointment because chances are anything that comes out of Ted Cruz's fly will disappoint. That's why the look mm-hmm. on his wife's face is that way. Um, but. Apparently, the Texas senator ate a fly. (laughs) Now, this is somebody who talks shit, so guarantee that fly, you know, smelled something familiar and decided to go home, basically. (laughs) Ate a fly. Just ate a fly. Open Ate a fly. We knew he's like a lizard-like, but damn, like. This is this is what's hot now. Yeah, I I heard from one place that it was legit that they saw it happen live, and I heard from another place that they said it was photoshopped. And the truth is, I don't care. <laughs> I, I love the idea that he would just ingest a fly, take a big swig of you know Marco Rubio brand water, and wash it down because flies are attracted to shit. Very much, and literally like. <laughs> Ted the Gila Monster Cruz just going to sit there and just eat flies. Just what eat a fly. What is happening with flies and Republicans? I think there's like a fly cabal. And they decided that, you know, if humans aren't going to save this world, by God, we'll do it ourselves. They were so inspired by the 1986 remake starring Jeff Goldblum <laughs> and Gina Davis that, you know what, they decided <laughs> to band together and risk their short lifespans to send a message. <laughs> Just like uh, Megan McCain's hairstylist, they're part oh, of the God. movement. Did you see the headband she had on? I mean, can we get the <laughs> cultural appropriation police out there somewhere? Oh, I I don't know if if she's doing it like as a as a joke, or if she has a stylist who's copying black hairstyles. But it's becoming more and more evident that that is what is happening. It's I thought crazy. I was just happy, you know. Part of me is like, huh, you know, maybe she's rather progressive and forward thinking, not hire a blind st- stylist. Mm, that's true. Or she decides to be uh, environment friendly and get styled in the dark. That yeah, I bet that's what it is. She probably does like a power saving day, or a few hours, and like she doesn't turn on the lights until, you know, like say when the view goes on the air. And so the reveal of what she looks like that day is also a reveal to her. 
It's a little gift she gives herself. Somewhere Ben Dominic is like, yep, married to her. <laughs> it, then again, Ben is the head of the head of the Federal Society, and here's mm-hmm. a quick one. If you tweet at them or him, mm-hmm. who funds the Federalists? They will block you automatically. Yeah. So that means, makes me believe that, uh, yeah, that whole family, but yet she will use her family's name, even though her mother voted for Joe Biden, which is the funniest thing in the world. But just the Republicans are, they're an odd bunch. Mm-hmm. They are pretty much walking human use K litter. Now, as we spin it, as I always mention at the end of the show, but we're going to kind of talk now and at the end, but one of us is a cinephile and another one is me. So when you heard that Amazon is buying MGM, what went through your mind as a fan of all things cinema? Well, the first thing I wondered was, what is up with the old MGM movies, like The Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind and stuff like that? And I found out that they actually got hived off a long time ago. Um, That might have been like when Ted Turner had bought the MGM library. But Warner Brothers now controls the old movies. So um, like The Wizard of Oz and and Gone with the Wind and that kind of era doesn't belong in this deal. It's more modern movies like the James Bond movies and stuff. But the thing that I had wondered about, someone said this, um, was that this also includes TV. And I didn't think about MGM having TV. And part of that, what falls under that umbrella, is The Apprentice and Shark Tank and you know some of these other reality shows that Mark Burnett ran. And that means that it should be included in this deal that... That includes all parts of the property, including unaired footage, which means that Amazon should now own the unaired apprentice tapes. And Donald Trump has been poking Jeff Bezos with a stick for years because he's so jealous that he's an actual billionaire. That what if, you know, part of the reason for this, even though Bezos isn't going to be like head of Amazon and he's certainly not part of the entertainment division, might have been a case of, Let's expose this guy. Let's get these tapes kind of hidden behind the, hey, Amazon's going to own James Bond and stuff like that. So that was one of the first things that I thought of. And the other thing that I thought of is, you know, are they going to get James Bond? Because the Broccoli family, if anybody is a James Bond fan, you know, Cubby Broccoli was the producer of the James Bond movies for years. And when he passed away, um, the control went to his daughter. And that's why you don't see stuff like a James Bond TV show or other like spun-off James Bond properties. They're very controlled about what um, happens under the James Bond umbrella and um, what is produced and how it's released, which is why you know um, No Time to Die has been sitting on a shelf for like a year and a half. Um, they want it in theaters and they won't compromise. So I wonder if there's a separate deal with the Broccoli's about Bond that isn't part of this deal, like they're going to have to negotiate something separate. So it's interesting in an entertainment way about how there's little things under the big things all the time. Um, so it's I don't know what Amazon intends to do with this incredible 
um, like windfall of, of programming and stuff. But um, I would suggest that if there's an MGM movie, a more recent one that you love, it might be worth it to get some physical media of it because if they start controlling how you can see it and when it's released, um, it could be worth it just to grab a copy of something that you really like so you make sure that you can see it when you want to. And also, <clears throat> there's several, several thoughts that I have as you were speaking that first for Jeff Bezos, Jeff, if if you're listening, and we doubt you are, um, this is a time that you be petty and <laughs> send those or release those tapes of mm-hmm. Trump. Petty, Jeff. People act as though petty's not always a positive thing. Yes, there are times when it could be obstructive or just useless. Jeff, Jeffrey, Jeffo, you need to embrace your petty right here. One time for all of us. We need this, Jeff. Second of all, kids, MGM, Metro, Goldwyn, Mayer, the lion that would roar at the start of Tom and Jerry cartoons, that company. Very important. Like, also, split from it, the, at the time I was there, the Lackluster Casino in Las Vegas. Mm. Great poker tables, shitty slots, kids. Just saying, drinks, <laughs> drinks so strong, honestly, like, if you look at them, you would get drunk just looking at them. Wow. Remember this. Now, let's discuss the city of Melbourne. Now, not Melbourne, Florida, because... You know, anyone in or around FIT for Institute of Technology knows that you get creepy crawlies. Anyway, Melbourne, Australia, where the city is going to go through their fourth lockdown due to COVID. How? has How have they, even their standards of lockdown are strict and stringent, but that's four lockdowns. Mm-hmm. How are people? Over, yeah, it's 26 cases. How are people not understanding this? I, I, I just, I'm kind of jealous of the idea of um, a place that says, well, um, a family had an outbreak of a couple COVID cases that went uh, into another household, and then there were four, and now we see there are 26 in this area. Shut everything down. It, it's, you know, we can have it here. Um, we need. I forget how many cases just to shut down our our local high school. They they just will let kids and you have to self report. Um, just attend school with COVID, um, just cause. And you know here is a major city. It's like oh no, four. We need to keep an eye on that. And and they do it. I read that um, this outbreak is the India variant. And it came through a hotel uh, that was being used for quarantine lockdowns. So that that's probably what what's going on. But um, I wonder what the overall percentages are in Australia. Like, if they shut down every time they get a few cases and it goes away, per capita, what's their infection rate like compared to the UK and compared to us? I'd be really interested to know, but I didn't find that information. Do you have any idea? I've seen it. I haven't been able to find it myself. And 
I think there were under a thousand total deaths in Australia, but I don't know what percentage of the population that is. I think it's a small percentage. Let me let me do a quick. I think look. so too, and I I think in New Zealand it was even smaller than that. And when you have an outbreak in a country that's so geographically near, like India, and without a control there, and then you uh, have the ability to shut shut down your city and your um, residents comply. That's the amazing part of it to me. Is Australia is a very um, you know, kind of free-thinking place, and people don't like being told what to do. Um, I love Australians, and but you know, when when it's serious and when it's you know, matter of life or death, it seems to be that Australians are like, yeah, this is the thing we all have to do for everyone's betterment. It is twenty-five million people live in Australia, so a thousand okay. would be less than minuscule. A, minuscule, but they've yeah. managed to get it right now. When we return from break, we need to discuss in-state tuition. Mm. You are listening to the Black Tuesday podcast on the FPC radio network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are back with the Black Tuesday podcast. Terrence Spig, Stephanie Lentz. Stephanie, you are a, as we mentioned at the top, a proud alum of Florida State University. Mm-hmm. You are now. We have looked, and the state of California they have decided to cap or try to attempt to cap the number of out-of-state applicants to their universities. Right. Deciding because it is tough to get into state schools in California to start with. Why do you think this is ha- why do you think they are trying this and two do you think other states will follow? I'll answer your second one first. I I do think other states will follow up to a point. Because and the answer kind of the first part of what you said, um the difference between in-state and out-of-state tuition in the places that you know you and I were kind of going back and forth a little bit via text this morning is phenomenal. Um, like uh, I actually had attended Penn State for a while. I was a commuter, and then I lived on campus, and so I kind of had experience with that state system as well. And I had always wanted to go to Florida State, just couldn't get them, you know, coordination together. So finally, I was tired of it. It cost me little less to go to Florida State as an out-of-state student than it did to go to Penn State as an in-state student. Um, the in-state tuition for Florida State is around 5600 and out-of-state is about 18000 
And when I look at Penn State today, in-state is 18000 and out-of-state is like forty five or something. The difference in revenue for the same education for an out-of-state student, they're, they're making so much money off of that. And people want to go to – 18-year-olds want to go to California. Um, you know, not necessarily 18-year-olds want to go to Pennsylvania. Um, and I think Florida also has this issue. But I do think that Florida has some kind of cap, and I think they always have. But if you have an in, like my brother was a Florida State alumnus, so I had an in there. And then, um, you know, it, I, I don't know if that helped or not, but I had good grades and um, stuff like that, so that helped me out too. Um, so I, I think that I, I get where they're coming from. Students within your state should have the opportunity to attend a state university if that's what they choose to do. There should be a seat for them. Um, but at some point they'll have to say, you know, if I've got this many seats and they're not being taken, we do have to open up to out-of-state. And I think sometimes if university systems, they see that out-of-state money coming in, it's very tempting. So it's a problem, yeah, but um, college tuition in general is a problem. And it would be nice if there was just some kind of universal for this is what it costs to attend any state university and this is what it costs to attend as an out-of-state student, period. But, you know, that's an ideal that will never happen. Have you even started to think about uh, any kind of higher education for your kids yet? Uh, actually, I have because it's funny. In Wisconsin, the average tuition and fees are sixty-five thirty-one for in-state and twenty thousand forty-nine for out-of-state. Mm. And with my kids, it's just like I've always, well, prior to them being born, I was like, you know what? I want them to go somewhere, go out of state, experience life. Yeah, exactly. Now it's like I want them to go somewhere and get a good education for a decent price. And I think that colleges have been trying this for the longest time and they've been succeeding. They sell the name on that degree, and they don't sell the education part of it. Like, with a degree, this and this, but then I look at it, Ron DeSantis went to Harvard. <laughs> the fuck? A Harvard grad will always tell you they went to Harvard. Ron DeSantis. I'm like, mm-hmm. didn't Ted Cruz go to Harvard too? Yes. Yes, he did. I mean, between Ron DeSantis and Harvard. He went to Harvard Law. He might have done, I don't know why Princeton keeps coming into my head with him. George he's w. definitely Bush Ivy League. Went yeah. to Yale. Yeah. Yale. <laughs> I'm from Connecticut. I cannot tell you how many kids that I went to high school were like, oh, you know, I'm going to go to Yale Education. It's a Trump good school. Went to, yeah. Trump went to Penn. Yeah. Ivy League education. <laughs> Shit. I mean, at this point, the most, or the, one of the better Ivy League alums, fiction or not, is Andy Bernard, who went to Cornell. <laughs> Nard Dog. Nard Dog. Shout out to Nard Dog. But, they have a great a cappella group there. Hey, here comes trouble. <laughs> but it is. Side note, one day we need a whole office podcast because I've got, I got thoughts. <laughs> We do. Um, my daughter is graduating high school next week, and she's going to take a gap year. She needs a little bit more time with some life skills and stuff like that. And we also didn't get to visit any colleges because everything was shut down. Um, so we're going to be looking at some places, but what she's interested in is like a private art college. Like She's not interested in a general education. She knows she wants to go into art, 
And it's like, you know, at 17, if you know what you want to do, that's kind of amazing. I think that, you know, like a general education is great for, I'm not sure what I want, and I need to have a vast study of, of what's available to me. But the prices on these art colleges are just wild. But it's mm-hmm. the same for everybody, no matter where you come from. Like if the tuition is 50000 it doesn't matter if you are living next door to the college or if you come from across the world. So that I, I kind of like. It's kind of fair. I know what the cost of tuition is. How was prom? Prom turned out really well. I, you know, we were all kind of nervous that you know, some of her bullies might try some things or something like that. She doesn't really date. Um, she doesn't go out socially or anything like that. She's just not into it. It's not her bag. But um, she enjoyed getting dressed up, and she danced with her friends, and she had a good time, and um, nobody gave her any grief. And it's like, you know what? That's the best we can hope for. And she looked fantastic. So. She did. You did a hell of a job there. <laughs> Yep, well, I had great material. So. Like, and plus, it, it might get agree, you know you'd be in a car and chances are somebody end up getting their ass whooped, let's be honest. <laughs> That's true. I would just have to unleash the uh, the Bigs Army. See, just saying, it'll be just, there'll there, be problems, there'll be consequences and repercussions for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Passing on ass whoopings like Halloween candy. Now, <laughs> sadly, because it's America and the country is opening up, we got to discuss another mass shooting. This one in San Jose. I can't say I'm tired because it does disrespect to the fallen. I can't say I'm sad because it's a constant thing. But nine victims mm-hmm. in a rail yard. And uh, tenth, they call the tenth victim the shooter. I don't call the shooter a victim. No, I don't. If he had issues, go work the, go work that shit out, get help, or go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Why shoot nine people that probably wouldn't have shot at you? Yeah. yeah, there are a lot of people in this country dealing with a lot of shit, and the rest of us aren't going out to our workplaces or our schools or anything like that, and and killing people indiscriminately just airing out nine people just and it uh, it took a pandemic for the country to not do that then when the country opens up we're back yeah i was actually going to ask you about that what do you think about how many fights there have been at baseball games this season oh lord especially in chicago i've watched that one i watched one with the uh was it the Padres and the Dodgers where this guy who's a Padres fan walks over to, first of all, he's probably mad that their team colors are brown and yellow. It looks like a hamburger with mustard on it. Still better than ketchup. But he walks over and he just lays out a Dodger fan, lays him out, puts him to sleep. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with people? Like, I'm going to ball games. I'm not trying to fight at ball games. I'm just trying to like enjoy the game, drink my twelve dollar beer, have my six dollar hot dog, and have my nine dollar like helmet full of beer battered cheese curds. Mm. Let me live. And yeah. I think over the pandemic, we open up. People are venting in the wrong ways. Like, if you go to a ball game to fight a fan, 
why are you there? I've seen people fight in parking lots who got too drunk. I'm like, and that's why I'm happy that a lot of these stadiums over the past dozen or so years, they have limited beer sales after the seventh inning, or they cut off beer sales. Because how are these people getting home? Yeah. It's like we don't know how to be around people anymore. Which I really didn't know how to be around people in the first place, but... <laughs> It, like that um, that White Sox game the other night, there were multiple fights. I said to my husband, did you see this White Sox fight? And he said, which one? Mm-hmm. There's one with two guys, there's one with two women. And it was like, is this where we are? And some people have a gun and they're shooting people who cut them off in traffic. You know, that oh, little God. boy that was killed. Uh, there was another guy that, I think it was in Philly maybe, shot into a car and hit a woman in the shoulder. She had her two kids in the back seat. There's you know that kind of stuff. Then you have people fighting at baseball games where they're in close proximity. It, it's just I know that, and it's just the beginning. We're not even quite in summer yet. We're not even to Memorial Day. There's a guy in a Maserati who got mm-hmm. out. That's the guy. And just start. First of all, you're in a Maserati. Like mm-hmm. your car wasn't hit. You can afford to like have it, like like imp- like fixed, but it wasn't hit. You get out and just start just shooting into a car. Yep. The fuck is wrong with people? Like, people have literally lost their goddamn minds right now. Yeah. And that is astounding. And and it goes back to what you said earlier about where would we be if Joe Biden had won the election last year? Can you imagine how much worse it would be if Trump had been able to stay on social media and wind people up the way that he did? and unleash this summer upon us after we've all been inside for a year, I, I cannot imagine what it would be. It, it would be terrifying. It would be something out of a movie. I just... I can't even, like, imagine. I can't even imagine how stupid people have become where not to become but how the others are where country locked down for a year even before then the willingness to just start shooting people I'm old school I had to throw school in it because still saying I'm old you know it hurts when you get gray hair you'll understand but (laughs) when you look at it I've always been taught if somebody had an issue and it couldn't be talked out Y'all can step outside and hands can be thrown. You step back inside, you're fine. Now it's like you step outside with somebody. Chances are they're going to have a weapon, and one of you may not come back. Well, my husband used to, when we would be driving and someone would aggr- you know, do something aggressive, like cut him off or something like that, and he would you know, kind of gas it. And I kept telling him, you don't know who's in that car. You don't know what's wrong with them. You already know that they're a maniac. What if they decide that you, know, you pass them? and they don't like it, and they shoot you. It's very likely it could happen if somebody's going to be that aggressive when they've got a two-ton weapon they're already in control of. And so that he's actually, you know, had, had taken that to heart and really, you know, came a, a very passive driver. And now we just kind of wave at them and, you know, like we'll say, sorry about your dick or something like that as somebody goes by. But um, it's, you just, there's really nothing you can do. You know, you you bump somebody with your door when you're getting out in a parking lot or something. You never know what level of crazy they're operating at. And then you arm them on top of that. I just don't know. 
When I first moved to Wisconsin, I was doing laundry at a laundromat, and my cart grazed another cart accidentally. My first word, oh, I'm sorry. You know, please accept my apology. I'm sorry. It mm-hmm. didn't mean to happen. So I'm going, I'm walking away from the person. You ever get the feeling that you can hear something from behind and you need to turn around? Mm-hmm. Guy was like six feet from me and was like running at me. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. So I had to turn and he realized the error of his mistakes. <laughs> and the laundry, the laundromat manager saw the whole thing. He's like, nothing you could do. He was up. He ran on you. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The guy had a knife at his waist on his waistband. Oh my god! He didn't have it pulled, but I didn't know what was going to happen. And my first reaction, if I see somebody coming aggressively, I'm going to ball up my fist and start throwing punches. Yeah. And so whoever was he was with dragged him out to, to, to the car, threw him in the back seat, and drove off. And I was, I went on about separating my white clothes, my colored clothes, my towels, you know, basic things we do back in 2004. But it is stunning to see the aggression level mm-hmm. because the, we're just going to get into it. I'm going to sit up in the seat and we're going to have a man conversation about men. Now, okay. with men. I'll, I'll man spread in my chair here. There you go. I'm ready for it. All right. Now, I don't get it where... The whole guys who call themselves alpha males, like, that's strange to me. Like, who are you proving it to, yourself or other people? Mm-hmm. Like, guys are weird as fuck when it comes to it. Where uh, uh, I play softball, I am singles hitter. I am skinny Tony Gwynn. I hit singles, you know, <laughs> things like that. I'm not trying to impress people by my batting prowess, but... There are guys who will sit there and just scream about a cult strike or an out. And they get so aggressive. I look at my team and I look at them and say, you know what? We've won how many? Let one of you motherfuckers sit there and do this. You'll be off this team in a heartbeat. I've had to I've had to cut people on the team for acting similarly. I'm like, nah. I literally have had to cut like 30 people over the last nine years just for general fits of assholery. And I'm like, nah, just, I can't deal with like this, this people are like, oh, it's just testosterone. I'm a guy, I have testosterone, but I'm not out here acting like a fucking fool and telling people that, you know, being an alpha male and this and this, like the self-esteem in guys has plummeted. Mm-hmm. Like these are the same guys who will get in a fight with a woman Woman will get in, or well, get in an argument, get in his face, and then he hits her. Mm-hmm. Do either of your kids play any sports? Uh, you my said son. Your daughter playing football. Does she like? Is she in a league or anything? She just play for fun. She plays for fun because it's funny. She is the most athletically like gifted, but passively natured person. Mm-hmm. Like she just likes playing. Where she will. Hit the ball to the tee, or she'll I'll, I'll pitch it to her. She hit the ball over the house. She hit a <laughs> wiffle ball so hard, where she has a bat-sized warp in it, and actually split it. So somebody was like, "Oh, you you need to go buy her the those softballs they use for training. Mm-hmm. These have screws in them." She hit the ball so hard, the the ball split in half, and you can see where the screws are. Oh my god! 
just and how old is she? She'll be seven in less than a month. And just <laughs> she's four foot ten in all muscle. Oh my god. But she's such a sweetheart where she just likes playing and just mm-hmm. just going about her business. Like she was watching my son is how do I explain this? He he's not I don't think he has the aggressiveness or the competitive spirit to keep playing. Mm-hmm. Like we have this game where from backyard to front yard, we'll not back from the back of the fence and the back to the front of the fence. We'll go mm-hmm. back and forth. we'll race. Now I'm competitive, so I'm going to try to. I'm running. Plus, I need I need the exercise. Yeah. So he and I will go back about six times, and then he'll get tired and go do his stuff. So after like ten times, I'm getting a little tired. Twelve, I'm kind of exhausted. Fourteen, oh, there's my daughter running back and forth like twenty-two times, <laughs> not tired, not breathing heavy. Not tired. Meanwhile, like 18 times, I'm on the goddamn ground. Like, my lungs are burning. It smells like bacon frying. Mm-hmm. But they're not, I don't see, I see them being fans and not really, watch, like, he might yeah. play, like, soccer, but as she grows, who knows. But I fear that when they get some of these leagues and some of these parents, because yeah. I will be the parent who will sit there and tell a parent to sit down and shut up. Yeah, that's exactly where I was heading with the question because um, when my kids were in soccer, I was the registrar for our league and also did some coaching of the younger kids, kind of when they just are in a little scrum and they move from end to end. And then my husband got into coaching, and then he got so into the game that he started refereeing. They needed referees. And, you know, a variety of things cause us to just, you know, be like, you know, do you guys want to do this anymore? And my son really didn't. My daughter hung in there a little bit. But... Um, we got to the level on soccer where at first it's real cute and everybody's real happy when they're like four or five years old. Then you get into them being like seven or eight, and then you have fathers specifically standing on the sidelines yelling, kill him, get him. And it's like, it's soccer. (laughs) You know? It's not that kind of a game. And these are little baby children, and they're friends, and they're not going to go in there and kill him. And, you know, like the mom is making a, a video of it to have, and it's like, that's your audio? Is your husband saying they're yelling, kill him, and you say nothing? And then we wonder why the boys who play soccer grow up to be the kids that are, like, you know, bullying someone in school. It, it's, you know, it, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree there, and it just kind of spreads out into all kinds of other things. And it's like, well, if this is the way that the guy acts out in public, you know, he's screaming at his kid to do the thing he demands that he does, and it's a violent thing, what's he like at home? And how does he act when his kid is asking for homework help or needs advice about how to ask out a girl or something? Where does It just kind of goes everywhere, and it just seems like there's they, they somehow feel emasculated or, or reined in by political correctness or, you know, they're bitching now about race theory and stuff like that. And I think they take everything as a personal affront and then turn it outward onto the rest of us. And I think that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. I'm not a psychologist or anything, but it just it seems like the people who were screaming at the soccer matches are the ones who now have the Trump stickers on their on their cars to this day. Just losing their minds, just mm-hmm. going completely nuts. And I have a friend like, oh, you know, you should sign her up for... Football when she gets older, I'm like, 
she has the athletic ability to do it. She has a she has, but let somebody go helmet to helmet with my baby. Mm-hmm. I won't ever put my hands on my kid because that's weird. I'm gonna find that kid's parent. I'm gonna find coaches, that kid's father, yeah. and we're going yeah, somewhere. Co- coaches and and just your everyday average Joe in the street are not very attuned to um, people on the autism spectrum. It's just they just don't care that you need an extra level of encouragement or a different way of communicating. And if you don't fit into the normie box, then forget it. They have no use for you. And then they treat you as an other, and then it just becomes a thing. So I'm kind of glad my kids didn't want to do sport. I've had people tell me, oh, you know, she's surprising athletic athletic for an autistic kid. (laughs) The fuck is wrong with you? What the hell does that mean? Surprisingly mm-hmm. athletic. That's like telling that's like telling a black person, "Well, you're surprisingly eloquent. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. <laughs> Go play in traffic." That was exactly what I was thinking of. It's it's just exactly the kind of thing my grandmother would have said. Like seriously, eat a hand grenade. <laughs> uh, I just yeah, it is seriously eat a fly. I mean, it is mind numbing to watch some of these dudes who grow up because I. Like I said, I play softball with them. I'm like, wow, you're cursing an umpire over a rec league softball game that we actually have to play. A f- we have to pay each 50 bucks for a player card to be able to play two nights a week. Mm-hmm. And we pay to play, yet you're screaming like this is ESPN is going to show up and watch your stupid ass argue a strike call, which was a strike, and you're going to pitch a fit. I've seen the cops being called. I've seen destruction of property. I've seen fist fights. I saw a pregnant umpire get pushed up against a fence. Her baby was, he's fine now because he's like same age as my kid, but uh, my youngest, but she had to deliver three weeks early. And people have always thought because of being pushed. And the guy said, well, I just was, you know, I'm just intense. I remember sitting in that meeting with, because all the captains have to meet, and I'm a captain. And he's like, I have intent. I look at him straight face. No, you're an asshole. And if you put your hands on somebody else's whatever, mm-hmm. chances are you're lucky that her husband didn't come down here and beat you to death. Yep. Or you're also lucky that friends didn't come down here and make sure that you never got to your car. Yep. I was summarily yeah. cited for inciting violence, but fuck them. I don't care. But... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, how we act after championship games. Whether we win or lose, everyone takes to the streets. Yes, like burning cars and flipping over. I'm like, I'm sorry, like, I am a Rangers fan, and yes, I had to mock the... Um, oh, I saw it. Penguins being eliminated. <laughs> even, even though the Islanders are toilet water themselves, <laughs> I just, because I never liked Mario Lemieux, but anyway... But I'm a Rangers fan. I'm sorry. I just can't. I just can't. <laughs> Love Yager. Oh. Hated Ulf Samuelson. Just never liked Mario Lemieux. Just, no. Oh, I love Mario Lemieux. He, he does so much for the Children's Hospital in Pittsburgh. There's so many things with the Lemieux Foundation on them. Like he created a sibling center so that if you have a child who's there for um, a, a procedure or something and then you have another child and you don't have health care, they can actually help you out there. And um, in the infusion center, there's, uh, you can have video games brought in, and there's a TV for everybody and movies, and it's all sponsored by the Lemieux Center. So I like him as a person, and I like him as a player. So I, I had to bring person. that up. Now, 
Ron Francis is probably my favorite Penguin. Okay. Because, quick story, Ron Francis played the majority of his career as a Hartford Whaler. Yeah. I am from Hartford, Connecticut, even though I was never a Whalers fan. Whalers tickets were cheap in the 80s. Ron Francis <laughs> would sign autographs, would come to schools, was just Mr. Hartford Whaler. When the Whalers traded him to the Penguins, and the Penguins went on that cup run, mm-hmm. it was the beginning of the end of the team that played NHL hockey within a mall, the Hartford Civic Center, <laughs> the arena. I love it. The arena itself was surrounded by a mall. They played within a mall. True story. But Ron Francis was one of the nicest people I've ever met in the NHL. Class act all the way through, good dude. But when it comes to, like I said, I'm a Rangers fan, and this is the 27th anniversary this week was when they, Mark Messier, guaranteed a Game 6 victory against the the hated dumpster diving New Jersey Devils. And when the Rangers won the cup, I remember being there for games. I spent so much money that oh, just too much money. But I got to see them play like 10 times in that postseason. And I got to see game seven of the Stanley Cup finals when the Rangers finally won. Mm-hmm. After the game, no one was flipping over anything. People were at bars drinking. I was 20 years old. So I was at bars drinking. Thank you, fake ID. But it is. <laughs> it was the 90s. I did things, you know. Mm-hmm. Did a lot of drinking. But it was more of like we celebrated. We drank. I drank champagne mm-hmm. till I couldn't even stand up. <laughs> like, literally, like, I never had so much champagne in my entire life. But it was celebrations where now team wins. Let's go, dis- let's go destroy the city. What? Really? And yet they complain that there was looting during the protest last summer. How does that make sense? People generally, the general you know, guy on the street, thinks of looting as something other than what it is. They think looting is just stealing. I think looting is a, an act of, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like just social justice almost like you know i have something to say i don't have a way to say it i'm going to say it with an action and this is the action i'm taking and this will make you look at me this will make you pay attention to what i'm saying and what where my pain is but a lot of people see it as simply stealing they don't bother to think about well why would somebody loot in their own community and there's there's a lot to it and a lot of people put stuff on it and they just like well everybody can agree that stealing is wrong absolutely but you're not looking at at what looting is that it, it's got a certain word that that's what it is for a reason so that's just, it's always one of those things that kind of bugs me in a way it is strange to me and I just the, the thoughts but as we always as we said that you know there's a movie of the you know we need to discuss movie of the week one of us is me and the other one is a cinephile what should people be watching or adding to their list? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I look, I'm going to pull it up here. I'm going to take a second. I was looking to see what's coming up on TCM. That's like the channel I spend most of my life looking at. On Tuesday, June 1st, yeah, um, this is what their lineup is. They have Trog, 
which is <laughs> the last movie Joan Crawford ever made, and she is an anthropologist who's after a troglodyte monster. That's where they start at 6.15. Then they have the brain that wouldn't die, which is a woman is in a car accident and just her head survives and her boyfriend keeps it alive in a tray. Oh, God. Okay, so there's that. Then there's Queen of Outer Space from 1958, Hercules, Samson, and Ulysses, The Prodigal, and Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. Nice. Um, and, that, and then Dead Ringer from 64, and then The Bad Seed at 545, and that's kind of where it ends. But there's an all-camp, all-crap day on TCM on June the 1st, and it, there's a lot of really fun stuff. Out of those, if you haven't seen Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, that one's fun but it's really light, fluffy. There's nothing to it. The Bad Seed from 1956 is a really good movie. It's about um, this girl. Her name is Rhoda, I want to say Pendragon. And she's this little terror. And her mother is a single mother, and she's very indulgent of whatever Rhoda wants, whatever Rhoda wants to do. And Rhoda gets jealous because a kid in school got a penmanship medal and she didn't get the penmanship medal. She thinks that she deserves it. And the kid turns up dead. And then you're like, did Rhoda do it? And then it becomes increasingly evident that, yeah, Rhoda did it. And this isn't a spoiler because it's just the beginning of the film. And then you're like, now what do we do with Rhoda? And Rhoda just escalates her behavior. So there's like this 10-year-old kid who's like a serial killer. <laughs> That's the movie. And, um, gosh, I'm blanking... Uh, Patty McCormick, I think, plays, um, yeah, she's eight. I just clicked on the more info. Uh, I think Patty McCormick plays Rhoda, and she's still with us. And she goes to cons and things like that because this movie is a cult classic. If you haven't seen um, The Bad Seed, I would definitely DVR it. Maybe even watch it live. It's on like 6.15 Eastern on the 1st. Um, and it's, it always has a good TCM party. If you put that hashtag in, you can watch people live tweet it. Um, it Rhoda is one of the best villains in film, and it's a really campy, fun in a weird way kind of movie, but you do spend a lot of it thinking, what is she going to do next, and how is she going to do it? And it's also about um, indulgence and how this mom, she's trying to do everything right by Rhoda, and it ends up everything turns out wrong. So. Now, I know you said there was a the brain that wouldn't die. Is that a lot like the movie or a kind of a, the inspiration for The Man with Two Brains? Steve Martin, Kathleen Turner? You know, I haven't seen that since I was in high school. I don't know. Um, I love the that, brain that The Brain That Wouldn't Die, it starts off with a car accident, and it's kind of... It can be worrisome for some viewers because the the boyfriend, I think it's the boyfriend, comes up on the scene of the accident and walks away with like just like he's holding a bowling ball under a blanket and it's like, what does he have? And it's like it's her head. And then he um, like attaches electrodes to it and has it in a pan of goo or whatever. And it's her realization that all she has left is a head. And I don't know if it's going to be like a Frankenstein thing and he's going to make her a body. I forget how it goes. But this actress who plays this part is just a head on a tray. And for a campy mid-century, you know, throwaway kind of B-movie, she does a really great job to, to be able to pull that off in a way that you can kind of believe it. And it's not a very long movie. I, I say mid-century. It's actually from 62. But, um, it's like yeah. the movie uh, Boxing Helena with Sherilyn yes. Finn. Where, yeah. 
That's another yeah, disturbing ass movie. It's de- you can draw a straight line from the brain that wouldn't die to boxing Helena. That is now. How can people interact with you via social media? Um, the best way to find me is on Twitter at edenza e d e n z a. One of the best people out there, Stephanie Lynn. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Black Tuesday podcast. Always my pleasure. This has been another episode of the Black Tuesday podcast. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. If you're a fly, find the GOP. They are used to being around their own.